Hello and welcome to the Wedding Guide Podcast. I'm your host, Pete the Celebrant, and today we are proudly sponsored by Easy Weddings. Easy Weddings helps thousands of couples nail their big day every year. With their award-winning directory and mobile apps, you can find and book top-rated wedding suppliers, stay on track with their planning tools, or for a more hands-off approach, work with a wedding planner to save you time and money. And the best thing, it's free. Jump on easyweddings.com.au to start your stress-free journey down the aisle today. Joining us for the episode is Chris Hannon from Hannon Jewelry Designs. Chris was my jeweler back in 2013 when I married Grace, and he has created three custom pieces of jewelry for us. He shares with us all about wedding and engagement rings from metal varieties to diamond qualities and helps guide new couples through every facet of their rings. Allow me to introduce you to the very talented Chris Hannon. Well, hello and welcome. Thank you for joining us and welcome, Chris Hannon. Chris, how are you doing? Good, thanks, Pete. How are you, mate? Doing very well, doing very well. Uh, we were talking before, Chris, and you were saying uh, things just going crazy busy at the moment. Everyone who yeah. wasn't able to get married is now trying to get married ASAP. <laughs> it is very much so. I think everyone's trying to get in before any more lockdowns or any more restrictions on weddings and that sort of thing. So people are, yeah, very much going for it. Yep, 100%. Yeah, it's great. It definitely feels, um, you know, currently we're in a great state, but we have no idea what could happen day to day. So I get it. It's uh, if you've been talking about marriage for a while, it's sort of like you want, let's just do it. All right. Well, I agree. Chris, we have not spoken about jewelry or rings uh, on the podcast yet. So I am excited to get you on. You made Grace's jewelry, you made her engagement ring, and then you made the wedding ring to go along with it. And, you know, I'm happy to talk about my own experience, but I would just first love to hear about how you became a jeweler and then tell us about, you know, your own business, Hannon Jewelry Designs. So I, uh, like a lot of people, I uh, found jewelry, well, not a lot of people find jewelry, but I found (laughs) jewelry leaving high school. Um, I was sort of in high school about year 11 trying to decide what I wanted to do I knew I wanted to do something with some sort of design or or artistic sort of sort of avenue and we had a family friend who was a jeweler so I started going in there after school just a couple hours a week learning little bits here and there and then got offered an apprenticeship so I uh, thought this is all right I like doing this so I jumped on the opportunity and Yes, yeah, start an apprenticeship the next year. Right. So has jewellery making changed at all since doing it, how they used to do it in the apprenticeship to how you do jewellery now? Uh, very much so. So technology has may have played a big part in how jewellery creation and design and everything has changed. So when I first started, everything was 100% completely handmade. You'd roll out the metal, hammer it, file it, cut it, saw it, and we still do quite a lot of that, but now computers and design come into it. So we use CAD programs, which is computer-aided design, where we'll draw a 3D model of the customer's 
ring using their st the stones that we've chosen and we'll be able to create the design in 3D to be able to mm -hmm. show you before we go ahead. Um, and then from that, we also use 3D printing. So really high uh, resolution 3D printers are used and they will print a, a wax or a resin model of the ring which then can be cast into gold or into platinum or whatever metal we choose. So I spend as much as my design time designing on a computer as I do sitting on my bench these days. So it's very different, but it's very enjoyable. Yeah, cool. So why don't we then go straight into what the process is? You've already mentioned a little bit, but I imagine, you know, I'm not, you're not gonna imagine anything. Why don't you just tell us, from very start, from when people, whether they email you or send like a Facebook message, um, what happens from that start right to the end process? So generally I'll get uh, an email or a text or a Facebook message. Generally I work only by referral. So because I have, I, this is my business I run part-time. And so I do after hours, I have another job working for uh, one of the high-end jewelers in Collins Street. So that's my nine to five. And then when I come home, I see my clients and do my stuff after hours. So yep. because of that, I choose to sort of work by referral only. So generally I'll get a message from someone going, hey, say Pete told me that you did a great job on his ring. Can you help me out? And then I'll make an appointment with them and we'll come sit down and start talking about the process. So normally if it's an engagement ring, quite often one person will come on their own and say, look, this is my budget. This is what she likes. Hope generally they'll bring along some pictures or um, some design images of what they're after. My goal is to to take those designs and those images and do the best version of that possible yeah. for the client. Um, wedding rings, quite often both partners will come together sure. and then sit down and we will, again, if they've got ideas or designs, sometimes we'll take design uh aspects from one or two different images and combine them because we're custom making everything that we can do anything you want. So there's sort of no mm -hmm. limit. Um, yeah, that's the basic design process. Yeah, cool. I remember when I came to yours, oh, gee, it would have been 20, oh, 2012, I think it was. We got married 20, a while ago now. 13, yeah, 2012. And turned up and I had a, you know, I'm the sort of guy that enjoys a bit of guidance. So I remember asking Grace, I'm like, you know, what are your thoughts? And she gave me a few pictures and I remember bringing them to you. And uh, I think you asked that we talked about budget, talked about, you know, how much, you know, I was thinking of spending, um, what type. And I know you explained a little bit about diamonds and we'll, we'll talk a bit about that soon as well. Uh, but you then said, cool, I'll put this together went over to your place and yeah, you showed me on this whole design thing. It was incredible because it's, I think you showed up on your TV actually, and you're taking me through it and you're like zooming into aspects of it and you're going, this is what I've done here with it. So it will look a little bit like this and this is the impact of it. Um, it was incredible to get this like huge view of this ring, what it would be like in, um, I don't know the design name, if there is one to what Grace is like, all I know is it had a, giant diamond in the middle and then it had little ones down the side uh and i'm sure i'm certain you even showed me the diamonds before as well you were, I'm, i feel like i remember you showing me 
these are at least the little ones that will go in there and um, yeah. Yeah. So, so generally once a client's come along and we've sort of worked out a rough idea of what design we're after, we'll do a quote and then they'll either come back and see me and we'll organize some diamonds for them to view. Quite often it's the, like the main, the larger diamond to come mm. back and view and have some options to choose from. Um, once we've chosen that, then we can really start to design the ring around the diamond because the design process is so uh, fitted and specific to each particular diamond. We want to have that main diamond before we start to do the 3d model around it so that we make sure it fits perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Now I remember also, so we did, once I proposed, like you said, they normally then come back to Grace and I came and I'm not sure if you suggested or Grace just brought up what she would like in the wedding ring it was definitely like you, the way you'd created the engagement ring was so that the other ring would sit just like, I guess, pair or would, would match right under, it would sit perfectly with it. Uh, and then when it came to my ring, I just got the, the old school, uh, very plain, but very simple titanium. And um, you just, you showed me your book and you're like, you know, thoughts of this one. And I was like, that's great. And you were like, that won't get ruined. <laughs> it's more, you can't really damage that one. And it's perfect. It's, uh, it does everything it needed to. Looks nice. It can open beer bottles and it doesn't break. <laughs> yeah. Um, wedding bands are interesting because when we do wedding bands, they generally, the thing to remember is like guys' bands in particular are mm. measured on weight. So right. the thicker, the wider, the heavier the band is, the more it's going to cost. Sure. So when I when I have a client come, I'll actually pull out a sample set like this, which is, I believe you would have seen as well. Sure, I did. Yeah. And it has all different width, widths and profiles. So there'll be flat bands, round bands, sort of beveled edge bands, and all in different widths. So you can actually look at them and see, okay, this is what I like. This looks. This is how it looks on my finger. And then we can do those in a variety of different metals. So. Hmm. Well, let's talk about metals and all that and we'll talk about diamonds as well uh why don't we talk about engagement rings metal yep. varieties i really know nothing take me through them in terms of um, options and why one would choose one over the other yeah it's really quite interesting at the moment we're seeing a bit of a change in the metals and just the pricing of particular metals so generally for an engagement ring, you want to go for a more premium metal like 18 karat, which is uh, or platinum, uh, the two most common. 18 karat can be in yellow gold, white gold, or rose gold generally. Okay. And so all 18 karat means that out of a thousand parts, 750 parts are pure gold and the other 250 parts or 25% are made up by other alloys that are mixed to make the color or make it how it goes together and so in lower grade metals like nine carat which you see in more dress sort of jewelry that's 375 parts out of a thousand of pure gold so but what we've found is platinum is a bright white metal it's very similar to white gold that's a more premium metal traditionally but with the cost of certain of the alloys that go into white gold we're seeing white gold go up amazing um so most white gold contains a metal called palladium. Now with palladium being used in things like 
Tesla batteries and stuff like that, the price has gone up by 3,000% in the last couple of years, wow. which has made white gold probably least, less affordable than platinum. Traditionally, platinum takes more time to work on it. It's a more dense metal, more heavy, has a bit more of a luxurious feel, but it's more time on the bench. It's more time filing and polishing. And so generally, it's more expensive. So... Yeah. One thing to keep in mind too, if you're getting your wedding bands, you want to match the metal that you've got from your wedding band with your engagement ring. Sure. So you don't want to have an 18 carat ring with platinum wedding band, or you don't want to have a, a nine carat ring with 18 carat because of the different properties in the metal, they'll rub against each other and one will wear the other unevenly and you'll end up destroying the one of, one of the rings. Okay. Is there anything that someone should take, uh, I guess, keep in mind when purchasing a ring for future in terms of uh, keeping it clean, longevity? Yeah, absolutely. I always say you should treat your car, like your ring like it's a sports car. It's a luxury item. So yeah. you're not going to jump in your Ferrari and just drive it down to Audi and park in the, in the parking lot while you do your daily shop. Now you can wear your rings to the shops but most damage to your jewelry happens in and around the home. Mm. So doing the dishes, grabbing metal taps, gardening, stuff like that. So anything like that is going to damage the gym. Gym is a big killer. Jewelers yeah. hate the gym. If you're going to the <laughs> gym and you're grabbing bar, barbells or dumbbells, just the hard steel against the soft gold or the platinum, mm. it just destroys it. You'll dint it up. You'll damage it. Um, what I always try to encourage people to do is when you come home, take your ring off, put it in the box. We provide generally really nice wooden boxes that go through, put them back in the box and then put them on when you go out again. Sure. So it so doesn't make then much of a difference depending on the type of metal you would get for that longevity or is it more the usage? Um, it's, usage is a big part of it. I think with 18 karat or platinum, they're all very... So they wear some very similar. Mm. So you're not going to find that one wears more than the other. Um, the, the heavier metals, the 18 carat and the platinum feel, have a more luxurious feel when you're wearing them. They're a little bit heavier, a little bit more dense um, than the lighter sort of nine carat metals. But wear and tear, maybe nine carat could be a little bit more hard wearing, but we don't generally put that into engagement rings because it's just not as nice. It's got less gold. Um, yeah, okay. It's lighter. It just doesn't have that sort of luxurious sort of feel, which is it, an engagement ring is a luxurious item. It's something you're going to buy hopefully just once in your life. Um, so, and yeah. you know, we work with all budgets. We work with budgets from two and a half thousand dollars up to forty-five thousand dollars, or as high as you want to go. There's no real limit. Yeah. So, is most of the budget being uh, taken into account? with the metal or the stones? Generally the stone mm. in, an, in an engagement ring anyway will play a bigger part. Yeah. Um, in a wedding band where we've got lots of little stones, it's probably more even. But yeah, mostly though in an engagement ring, the main diamond takes up the majority of, of your cost. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about diamonds. Uh, and I know we've had sure. this discussion a long time ago and you did explain to me and I don't remember, uh, tell me about the qualities of diamond. What makes one diamond 
better. Like I imagine size counts when it comes to diamonds. Maybe it doesn't. Um, yeah. Anyone who's done any research into diamonds at all hear about the four C's. So they are cut, color, carrot, and clarity. Um, and so they're just the four sort of different things used to grade diamonds. Okay. So carrot, which we'll start with carrot. That's the first one is a weight. So when a diamond is measured in size, you might hear someone say it's a one carat diamond or it's a two carat diamond. That's a weight measurement. And that's how mm -hmm. diamonds are, are measured by their weight. So okay. color, color is sounds like an obvious one, but color gradings in diamonds are on an alphabetical scale. So it starts with a D being the whitest, most bright white diamond you can get. And then it goes E, F, G, H, I, J, down like that. So when you're looking for a diamond color-wise, you're looking for something that's a good color because color is going to be really obvious. Even when you're looking at your diamond from a distance and looking at your hand out in front of you, you're going to be, you'll see, a, you'll see the color. So you sure. want something that's a nice color. So I generally recommend to my clients for value, you want to go something that's like an E, uh, an e or an F. Okay. So D, E, and F are considered colorless. You don't have to go all the way to, F, to D to get a really nice white diamond, but an E or an F is really nice. Once you start going G, H, I, you're starting to get a bit of a yellowy tinge to it. Okay. So, I mean, this might sound like a stupid question, but why does, why does it start from D and not A? I've never asked. I don't know. <laughs> it's just one of those things that it, okay. it, it does start with D. Sure. Cool. I'm not quite sure, um, but it's yeah, D color. So. All right. So you want to go for that, uh, a D, E, You want to go G. for a D color. The carrot will be determined, the weight will be determined by your budget, essentially, okay. how big your diamond's going to be. Color is something you have a bit more of a choice over. Hmm. The next thing you want to look at is cut. Now, cut's probably really quite important. Cut determines the angles and how deep or shallow a diamond is, the angles that it's on and all the different facets. So a cut is what makes your diamond really bright and sparkly. So you can have a diamond that's very clean clarity. It's a bright, bright color. But if it's a shallow cut, the light sort of bounces in and just reflects out the sides and it will look dull and lifeless. So we call a really well-cut diamond a triple excellent. So it's talking about excellent cut, polish, and symmetry. So a triple excellent diamond will be your brightest, most sparkly diamond. But that said, it helps to compare because you can have two diamonds that are graded exactly the same and one will look brighter than the other. And that's just part of the phenomenon of, of natural diamonds. So you really ideally want to get a triple excellent cut because it'll make your diamond bright and sparkly. Okay. And are diamonds cut by machine? Are they cut by people? Uh, the, a combination now. Lasers are coming more and more into the cutting process. But generally, they would be cut on a uh, diamond wheel. So pretty much all diamonds, mostly in the world, are cut in India and China. So even mine, diamonds mined here and sold as Australian diamonds will get sent overseas to be cut in, in those places. Um, right. And then they come back into the country. So, And so the last of the four Cs that we're talking about, so we've got, we've got uh, carrot, which is your weight. We've got the color. And we've got the cut, we've got clarity. Now, clarity is a word that describes any little marks or blemishes or natural sort of inclusions inside of a diamond. This is where you can afford 
to get a bit of value and get a good savings when you're buying a diamond. So a, a perfectly flawless diamond that has no inclusions in it is called a VVS1. That stands for very, very slightly included. It's quite simple. Then it goes very slightly included, a VSI, and then there's a VSI1s, VSI2s, then SI1s, SI2s, which just stands for slightly included. And then you get to PI1s and PKs, and they're the diamonds you're going to get in your sort of more cheaper stores, like your Bevels and Prouds and your chain stores. They're going to be quite heavily included. But your SI1 and your SI2, where it's slightly included, it can be really good value. So generally, you, if you get a good SI1 or an SI2 stone, it's what we call iClean. So that means it is included, and you will see it under magnification if you're looking with an eye loop. But with the naked eye, it's going to be eye clean. So you won't see the inclusions. And that's where you get really good value. Most of the stones I sell in my rings and on my Instagram and stuff, they'll be a, a, an E or an F color, a triple excellent cut, and there'll be an SI1 or an SI2 in clarity. Okay. Right. The only reason, the only time you really need to go up in clarity is if you have a stone like an ember cut or an asher cut that has big clear windows in it. And then any sort of inclusions become really obvious. But on a brilliant cut, they're cut in a way that they sparkle and they shine and that, yeah, inclusions will not be as obvious. Interesting. So with going back to the cut, because you were saying that depending if it's too shallow that the the light will go through so maybe and you again you've probably explained this before yeah yeah so the what makes the uh the brightness or is this putting them in the right term what makes that cut so significant the brilliance so with the brilliance so getting that cut right is it the angles are filtering the light back through the top yeah, so light with a diamond will bounce through the top, mm-hmm. bounce around and come back out. So that's why you have a diamond set in all gold. It'll gold all around it with a bezel setting all the way around it. There's no holes underneath. The light will still shine through and bounce back up. Okay. So if those angles aren't right, if it's too deep or too shallow, so sometimes you might look at a diamond and for that, for that weight, it might have a bigger spread. So it's like wider and looks bigger from the top but it's quite shallow. Being shallow, it's not going to be as bright or sparkly as the ideal perfect cut. And here we're mostly talking about round, round brilliant cuts, which are the most common, and princess cuts, many of the main sort of cuts. Um, some cuts are particularly shallower. So if you, want, if you just want size and you really want to get the most bang for your buck size-wise, mm-hmm. go for a pear or an oval. Uh, particularly cushions and asher cuts are quite small for their size because of the way they're cut, they need to be deeper. So you can have a one carat asher cut. It's going to look a lot smaller than a one carat pear or an oval. Okay. There's a lot to do with diamonds, isn't there? There's, um... There is. Like there's companies that help. We use, we tenually use all GIA certified diamonds. So GIA is the Gemological Institute of America. They're the most well-known diamond grading company in the world. And so my diamond suppliers generally always have GIA certified stones. And that just gives you a bit of peace of mind that what you're getting is what it says on the certificate. And so the diamond will actually have a tiny little laser number inscribed on the side of it that says this 
num- this diamond matches up with this certificate. And if you can't, once you've lost that certificate, you can't get another one. The diamond would have to be regraded. So it's a bit, sort of bit of insurance that you're actually getting what we're saying you're getting. One question I asked you, Chris, when we were looking at um, rings for grace and, and diamonds for grace, uh, I was asking, is there any way to be certain uh, in terms of that it's not a blood diamond just for, for ethical reasons? Um, I'm not sure if you get that question much, but um, could you, yeah, let everyone know the answer that you gave me? Yeah, we don't get that question as much as we used to when the movie Blood Diamond came out. It was sure. the, the biggest question on everybody's mind. But it is important to think about the ethics of what we're doing and, and how it's where it's coming from. Hmm. Um, most of the world's diamonds actually end up in a big pool. There's an organisation called the Beers that are a, sort of a diamond kind of conglomerate and they own most of the diamond mines in the world. So most of the world's diamonds end up in the one sort of pot and then to get get distributed from there. Mm. There are different versions. There are different options as well with diamonds. There's lab-grown diamonds, which is sort of a new phenomenon that wasn't really around when you got your ring. Um, And a lab-grown diamond is basically a diamond that's growing from a seed in a lab. And then they grow the diamond and then they cut it. And it still has inclusions like a normal diamond and a colour and all those type of things. It's just man-made. Now, at the moment, a lab-grown diamond is around 20% the cost or 20% less cost Mm -hmm. than a a mined diamond. Um, But there's ethics involved in that as well, in the amount of energy used to consume it, to make it, um, consume to make these lab diamonds is huge and Mm. the carbon footprint and all those type of things that we need to think about. Um, If you really wanted to go down the ethical route you could buy a, a used or secondhand diamond diamonds are the hardest um, product known to earth so they're not going to scratch or wear or, or anything like that but generally i i think diamonds as far as, as i'm aware and as far as i talk to my suppliers about it as ethical as anything else can be yeah um, we we know the supplies we know the roots of where they come through as much as your coffee beans or or, or anything else that you buy yeah, you know, there's questions we all need to ask ourselves, though. Yeah, uh, how does it go with? Uh, it's a really interesting question. Uh, the point that you raise in terms of the ethical, you know, that carbon footprint. I know that when I do uh, funerals and that, a funeral director pointed out that you can, um, you know, if your loved one is cremated, they can then be. I think it's shipped off to Sweden or something. All the ashes are swept you know, sent up there, might be elsewhere, and they literally compact it all and you can turn them into a diamond. So you could literally wear granny. And um, so that's interesting. Does does that have any, is there any difference with that, with that sort of diamond, how it's made? I'd be very, amongst the jewellery trade, we have a lot of scepticism about that sort of system and sort of equipment. Um mm there's really little evidence that any of the loved one or the, the ashes or anything actually end up in the stones. And so what, what our concern is that people are being played upon on their emotional trauma and on their grief Mm. to be sold a diamond for maybe 400% the cost of what they normally would pay. So we're seeing people say, pay $20,000 for, for this loved one heirloom for a stone that there's actually no evidence that 
any of, of the material is actually incorporated into the stones. And for a $20,000, they've maybe spent 20000 on something which was worth $2,000. It's, um, wow. it's part of the industry that still needs a lot of, I think, a lot of people to look at it and make sure that the right thing is being done. Mm. Um, so I, I would say be aware, be aware of anything like that. Yeah, um, there are other other ways that you can commemorate your loved one with jewelry. Um, there's plenty of people who specialize in putting putting ashes or hair, braided hair, into little uh, lockets with glass glass on the front and on the back, or in resin, and making mm. jewelry that way. Um, at times, we've been asked to 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 melt ashes down into into the gold. When we're making a ring, um, bits and pieces like that. I'm not sure how much of it gets burnt up and how much of it actually. Sure. I'd say most of it actually just gets burnt up, but mm. it is something that does happen in the industry a little bit. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. So let's go on to if someone decides that they don't want diamonds, whether their partner doesn't want diamonds or ethical reasons they don't want to choose diamonds, or they just want something really unique and different what do you recommend? What are the options? Yeah, so we do we do lots of coloured stones as well. Um, if you're wanting a coloured stone, like I said, the options for non-coloured stones or white stones are basically your diamonds, the lab-grown diamonds, uh, cubic zirconias, which are, most people know about. They're like a, a man-made stone that's been around for a long time. Um, and things like moissanite is another one. But then there's all other coloured stones like sapphires and and things like that. What we recommend is something with a quite. If there's a scale called the Mohs hardness scale, M O H S, and so on that Mohs scale, a diamond is a ten. It's the most hardest sort of metal that you can get, and corundum is a two. Now corundum is your sapphires and your rubies. So, and and that's a nine out of ten. So. Uh, Corundum okay. is yeah, pretty much sapphires, but it's also rubies as well. They're just a different color. So when corundum was first discovered, they thought it only came in blue. And so they called them sapphires. And then when they discovered other colors, they called them things like rubies and stuff like that. So you don't, from there, you go down to topaz and quartz and more soft metals. For an engagement ring and a wedding ring that you're wearing all the time, you want something that's going to be hard wearing and not going to scratch up and get damaged really easily. Mm. But we can make beautiful rings with coloured stones, beautiful designs. So you just have to be more wary about how you wear them. Okay. So, sure. So there's a bit more potential for those rings being, or those stones being damaged. Yeah. You, you'll see, if you look at anyone who's had a sapphire ring for a long, long time, you'll see lots of scratches on the on the facets on the top of the stone and it's all worn and scratched. Now, they can be repolished. We can take them out, have them repolished by a stone cutter and bring them back to life. Sure. Um, but, you know, there's the cost involved in that. And with little, really, really little ones, you wouldn't do that. But there's endless opportunities to customise uh, to anything you want. We do, a, we do yellow, a lot with yellow diamonds, uh, pink diamonds, blue diamonds. Yeah, there's, there's lots of other colours and options in diamonds as well. But, yeah, any of the semi-precious stones, uh, yeah, you're really unlimited to the colours and the different sort of, yeah, uh, cuts and styles and shapes and stuff you can get in semi-precious, semi-precious stuff. Okay, cool. It's nice to know there are other options for people as well. So, being in the wedding industry, really on the 
right at the start. Um, what do you wish couples knew before getting married? And it's going to be, you know, primarily about rings and that. Yes. Yeah, so, so I think with jewelry, I think a good idea is you want to get jewelry that's going to last you for a lifetime. Mm. So something that we're seeing more and more is really fine, delicate designs. We're seeing a lot of them on Etsy and places, Pinterest and places like that. There's certain designs where you'll have just one single claw in between each diamond and they're really fine and stuff. And they look really cute and they look very pretty, but they're not going to last. So mm. and it's not a matter of if your diamonds will fall out. It's a matter of when. And so a lot of these designs that I see, you can make them as well as you want to make them, but the design's just flawed. And within six months, you're going to be losing diamonds and it's going to be a nightmare. So you want to think about having a design that's made to last. So it's something that you can pass on to your kids and you know they can pass on to their kids. Um, like I mentioned a bit earlier about how you care for your rings, that's really important to, to look after them and, and keep them clean. Keeping your rings clean is so important. The best way you can clean your ring is just get a glass of hot water out of the tap. Just tap tap warm water. Put in a little bit of uh, dishwashing liquid, some a cap of cloudy ammonia that you can get from the supermarket or Bunnings, and just jiggle your rings in it. If it's a new ring, you can do it a couple of minutes. All the dust, all the dirt, hand more cream and moisturizer makes rings really dirty really quickly, and they mm. lose their sparkle and their brightness. A quick jingle in some of that and it will clean up. If you've got a ring that's really dirty, you might need to put it in there for a few hours. Um, but you can do that as, as often as you want. Mm. Um, yeah, the other thing is insurance. Um, quite often I get people who lose their rings or damage their rings and they need replacing. So there's, there's different options out there. There's traditional home and content, which seem to generally not be the best in getting your jewelry replaced how you want it and then there's jewelry specific companies um mm -hmm. i'm a q certified jeweler i'll just show you the leaflet here this is a q report i don't know if you can see that yeah they're a jewelry specific insurer and so they insure just jewelry just engagement rings wedding rings how they differ to your home and contents insurance is they cover you outside of the home so you're not just covered while you're at home for theft or loss. You're covered when you're on your honeymoon, when you're traveling, um, when you're out and about. And they cover you. They generally have a low excess of like fixed excess of $100 and reasonably good uh, competitive uh, costs as well. Yeah. And so the reason I'm associated with them and like them is that they give you the option to come back to me or come back to the jeweler of your choice. So a lot of home and contents will say, sure, we'll, we'll remake your ring for you, but you've got to go to our jeweler. And mm -hmm. I can guarantee you they're going to the three cheapest jewelers and the three cheapest quotes they can get to get your ring remade for you. Now, when you've spent all the time and effort and stuff into designing something custom and getting it made to a really, really high quality, you don't want to just have to go back and take whatever they're going to willing offer you. So, no, no, you yeah, want to go back they're, to... They're probably the... Yeah, they're probably the main things. Think about a design that's going to last a long time, take care of it, mm. clean it, and in insure it. Hmm. I'm, I'm going to ask this last question, but I'm going to refine it for you. Uh, I'm going sure. to ask what's your best advice um, to couples, but I, 
I hope you let me sort of point you in the direction of this is if for yeah. those who are looking to come to you to for a ring, you know, what's your best advice for them in getting ready and preparing to come to meet you? Yeah, yeah. Like, like we mentioned earlier, pictures have ideas of what you're after. Um, I do have, like I showed you earlier, I have sets of samples for generally the, the gents rings. I have a lot of samples for gents rings. Often guys will come along and got no idea what they're after. So it's good to be able to visualize and put things on and try mm. them on. Um, and generally what I really like in design for wedding rings is contrast. Quite often I'll get people come and say, I just want a matching ring, exactly the same band as my engagement ring. But I really like to have something that's going to complement your ring. So when they're matching, they can sometimes just get sort of just, it all just blends into one and you just get one big sort of conglomerate of shiny diamonds and sparkle. Whereas you might take an aspect of that design. So they're both white gold or both platinum, but you'll do a different size diamond and a different style of setting. Okay. So you'll get something that com complements your engagement ring as opposed to just blends in or overpowers it as well. So have a look at the designs. Think of something doesn't have to be the same, I guess mm. is what I'm saying, is what you've already got. We can do something in a different color. We can do completely different things and it can still work really well from a design sort of point of view. But if people come sort of with an idea of a design that they want, an idea of what you want to spend, it doesn't have to be the biggest budget in the world, but you need an idea of, you know, what you want to spend, keeping in mind that men's rings generally go by weight or sort of plain bands go by weight. So the bigger, wider, heavier, chunkier it is, the more expensive it's going to be. Mm -hmm. But then there's other options of other metals like titanium, like in your ring, is very popular with guys because generally it's around the three $400 mark. It's super light. It's strong. It's hypoallergenic. Um, it's, it's comfortable to wear. And then there's zirconium, which is a black metal, and that's around those same sort of price points. Um, but, yeah, I, that's all I can really mm -hmm. think of to sort of come prepared with what you're after design-wise, what you want to spend, time frame, allow four to six weeks yeah, it's a good before one. your yeah. wedding to come, okay. to come and four see me. Six. Yep. Yep. And, um, and sometimes it can, it can so be quicker than that. But we try, just try to allow enough time. We don't want to be you picking up your ring on the Friday and you're getting married on the sad day. I've had that happen once <laughs> and someone had just dropped their ring. We always do a complimentary polish and plate before your wedding. Yeah. So bring your engagement ring back just the week before. I usually say at least a week before. We'll polish it, make it look like brand new so it's good for your photos and matches with your with your wedding bands that you've purchased as well and so i've had a client drop it off on the thursday wanting to pick it up on the friday put it in my bag took it to polish totally forgot about it i'm sitting out for dinner down glenfrey road at seven o'clock on friday night and i get a text message oh, i'm at your door and i'm just like not only have i forgotten i haven't done it and so luckily our my workshop was still open i was able to I literally ran the kilometre or so home <laughs> to where we used to live in Hawthorne and yeah. uh, she left and I, I ran home, got the ring, went in, polished it, got it all done and I drove it to her mum's house and delivered it. But I've so only ever had that happen the once and yeah. it, that's enough. Once is enough. So allow <laughs> a good week or so before your wedding to get your engagement ring polished. But yeah, allow at least four weeks. 
I'd say, before the wedding for your for your wedding bands. If it's something with you know two hundred diamonds and a really complicated, intricate design, allow more time. Okay. Is that is it two to four weeks for a ring to be created, like from design to in your hands? Yeah. So generally, when we sit down, even for engagement rings, it's generally about four weeks from the time we sit down, view diamonds, and make a choice. Yep. Um, on what diamond we're going to go with, I'll then do the design. It's about yeah. Maximum is usually around four weeks, unless there's a, something that we particularly have to get custom stones cut or something really particular design. Mm. But generally, yeah, three to four weeks we'll we'll have from sitting down, we'll have your ring made and in your hands ready to go. Perfect. Chris, thank you so much. You have given so much uh, advice. You've shared so much about just everything from metal to looking at what you're looking for in terms of diamond and quality and all that and other options. So thank you for that. Um, hey, if you're looking to go get a ring, if you're right at the start and this might be the one partner sends it to the other saying, this will help you choosing a ring, bit of encouragement never goes far. Uh, sorry, that's not right. Bit of encouragement uh, never goes astray. That's what I'm after. So definitely um, thank you, Chris. So much great advice here. My pleasure, mate. Uh, and one thing I'll say, the yeah. one thing we do offer is the opportunity to sit with a jeweler. So go to any jewelry store, you're sitting with a salesperson at the best. Their, mm. their main goal is to sell you and sell you as much as they can. But to actually sit with a jeweler who makes the stuff himself and has the experience, I can guide you with your design and the aspects of your design and what will be safe and what will work. And you know, I think most people find it a really sort of encouraging and uplifting experience. Yeah, I love being able to sit and... You just taught me through the, you know, you took me actually show me all the little 3D designs of it. You're you able to show me, I was able to try things on in terms of like, you know, sizing and what that would be like and your recommendations. But I didn't feel like I was being sold to at all. I could ask you a question. You would tell me straight up my options. Um, yeah, I, I had the best uh, experience of it. So thank you. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear, mate. Yeah, cool. We try yeah. to make it as easy as possible. We try to make it as easy as possible. Um, yeah. For most people, it's one of the biggest purchases you'll ever make in your life before you buy a house mm. um, or, or a car. So it is a big investment and we understand that and we try to make it as easy and as informative as we can. Yeah. Well, it was very easy. So please, everyone, go and take a look at uh, Hannon Jewelry Designs. I'll make sure that all the links are in the show notes. Uh, incredible pictures up there of all the rings that Chris has designed and, and put up there. So go check it out. Give him a call. Here's my referral to you. So there you go. Cool. Excellent. Thanks, Chris. Yes. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Like we do it.